0: Welcome to Conversations About Life.
1: Well, thanks, Keith. I've been looking forward to talking with you. And uh, I guess, um, as far as just an introduction, um, I know you from church. You've been around for, like, I've known you since you were pretty young. And. uh, and you've had a pretty eventful life so far, so I thought we'd talk about that and just whatever comes up and so forth. But um you want to just say a few words about how you would introduce yourself, like just who who you are as Keith Wild Harbor? Um, well, I mean, there's not a whole lot
0: to say. I'm 28. Um, I've been going to Rockport Baptist Church for the uh, majority of my church-going life. I was at uh, First Baptist Church of Arnold for... A couple of years, I've pretty much just followed my grandmother around. Yeah. But uh, she's actually at a church off of, um, what's the name of that street? Telegraph nearby here. Which oh, yeah. It's an right. uh, older people's church, I guess, mm-hmm. from what she describes it. And I, I know Rockport, so I'm more comfortable there.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, even though I've kind of known who you were for a long time, I don't really on, know a super whole lot about you so just looking forward to hearing more about
0: yeah you were not the first to say that in fact while I was in prison there was I mean I was in the same housing unit for a year or so at a time yeah there were guys who knew of me but I mean I'd know them for a year and they didn't know what my voice sounded like because yeah. I just I'm not a talkative person I'm very introverted yeah so it's
1: so you grew up with your um grandma she, she the one who raised you from Correct. when you were young okay yes. So, um, how did you, you know, what about your parents? Um,
0: um, well, long story short, uh, mom was just too young when she had me. She didn't know what she was doing and it was better off on all parts if, uh, grandma took over. I see. So she okay. did that and it was, there's been a few bumps on the way, but I think it was definitely long-term a good idea.
1: Okay. And, um, and then right out of, um, High school, was it the Marines that you joined? Yes, sir.
0: Okay. Marine Reserve. Um, I made the uh, (laughs) unfortunate decision of trying to stay in the reserve for a variety of reasons as opposed to active, Mm -hmm. most of which were short-term thinking. Okay. uh, There was a girl in high school I was seeing, and then... um, uh, my whole family's paranoid about enlisting, so they're thinking, oh, well, you're just going to go to war and get hurt or die or something or other. Like, it, It's only the reserves. If it gets really bad, they'll call me, and then I'll go. But until then, I'm at home. And mm-hmm. that was, I think things would have gone better at least or at least differently had I gone straight into active duty, but that's not what happened, and here we are today.
1: Yeah. So, so the Marine Reserves, I guess what that is is you go through um, – your training and so forth. Correct. And then after that, you just um, periodically get together for some additional readiness training and stuff like that. Is that how it works?
0: That's the gist of it, yes. You go through uh, boot camp, you go through um, combat school, and there, there's only two kinds of combat school. There's infantry, and then there's the uh, non-infantry personnel who, um, I forget what the acronyms for the schools are, but they're on the same camp. They're, Uh, I take that back. There's two separate camps for them across each coast. The East Coast guys go to, um, I can't think of the name of it, and then West Coast is actually pretty much down the street from boot camp anyway. Okay. So you go through boot camp, you go through combat school, regardless of if you're combat personnel or not, it's a... It's considered a combat-ready branch all around, so everyone goes to combat school. Mm -hmm. And then you go to your MOS school, Military Occupational School, which teaches you the uh, gist of what you're going to do for the military. And then once you get to your station, then you will probably be attached to somebody with a little bit more rank than yourself who knows the job better, and they can teach you the nuts and bolts. Okay.
1: What was your... Um, your job
0: I was a zero one eleven administrative specialist
1: okay so um, did you enjoy your experience with the marines? overall, yes, okay, I mean,
0: obviously, I wish I had done a few things differently, but yeah i I can't say it was not a good experience
1: okay then um after your um training and you're kind of back you're in the reserves, but you're on uh, you're in uh, civilian life. So, um, what were you doing then? Were you working or going to school? Or
0: uh, a little bit of both. I was still working at a uh, fast food place down the street from my house, and uh, after a little while, I put a little bit of money in, and I decided to get my own place, or quasi my own place. I had moved in with a couple of other coworkers, and then uh, that wasn't working out so me and one of the other coworkers decided to move into an apartment by ourselves and um we were doing that for a little bit we were both working one or two jobs each and just hanging out outside of that which we were on different schedules so we didn't run into each other very often
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um I I was dabbling around in school taking this online course here I might go in for this in class there but yeah. it wasn't really adding up to much.
1: Right. Okay. So, um, and then I guess the next big event would be, you know, the accident that led up to prison and stuff.
0: Right. The, uh, the co-worker who I moved into that apartment with, it started out as a business arrangement, but living together, you're going to either get to know each other or get to hate each other. Yeah. I wouldn't say I hated him. he was a pretty cool. He was a good guy, pretty cool to hang out with. We disagreed on this and that, but you're going to find that everywhere. Mm -hmm. And he was, I would say he was a good friend to me. He was a lot better to me than I was to him. But um, his name was Matthew Knight. He was a couple years older than me. I want to say he was 26 at the time. This was in 2013. And um, long story short, we're drinking and I'm playing with a gun that I thought was empty. And uh, it wasn't empty. I shot him. I called 911. I was asking for an ambulance, but the uh, police had to come in and secure the scene. And uh, police took me. Ambulance took him. Uh, He died at the hospital, and I was charged with his uh, death. Mm
1: -hmm. So, um, then what was the charge, like uh, second degree? Originally,
0: it was involuntary manslaughter, which carries a sentence of uh, seven years, i was getting ready to enter a plea deal via my lawyer and at the last second the prosecutor withdrew that option and he refiled the charges to second degree murder Mm -hmm. based on a lot of basically hearsay evidence and whatnot the kind of thing that you always hear in the news isn't supposed to come in and everything else and um So I spent some time on a bond. I had paid the county to release me, basically, Mm -hmm. for the time period. While I was fighting my case, or my lawyer was fighting the case, I kind of stuck my head in the sand and let him deal with it because it was too much for me. Yeah. I mean, I hear from a lot of people, oh, you were holding up a lot better than I would have thought so. And I can only think, I'm like, you must have seen what you wanted to because there were days that i was not holding up Mm -hmm. and um i'm very grateful for all the family support i had through that and continuing to today because again if it hadn't been for my uh family my support system my church i don't see how i would have got through that
1: as far as your family um besides your grandmother who is is there other family members who were supportive
0: yes my aunt her family uh, her husband her two kids who we grew up closer as brothers but my cousins they're a little bit younger than me um i still talk to my mom on occasion and my brother he's in uh, japan with the air force right now okay he's supposed to get home next month
1: Hmm. okay yeah and um yeah
0: my my father died when i was a kid so it's <laughs> mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of involvement there.
1: Yeah. So, um do you feel like you were treated fairly by the justice system?
0: In the end, yes, but overall there's a lot of hoops and hurdles to go through. And it on the one side it boils down to you have you won't have a problem with authority if you haven't done anything wrong but um authority is not blind to
1: um uh, society hmm. so it's so in the end you you feel like you got um the right sentence and everything but you had to um but it didn't come easy you had to like you could have got um are you saying you know you could have got ran over and been treated Unjustly, if you wouldn't have uh...
0: quite easily, and really, if it hadn't been for a skilled lawyer mm-hmm. who really knows the ball game inside the court hmm. or the uh, courtroom, I should say, mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for a good lawyer, I quite easily would still be in prison right now, most likely serving twenty-five to life for second-degree murder.
1: Okay, yeah. wow.
0: So, what was your sentence then? I received seven years and. Um, After four years and a few months in prison, the uh, parole board in Missouri decided to release me to supervised release, Mm -hmm. which I'm currently doing right now. Okay. And I've heard some horror stories about parole stipulations and people being revoked and sent back to prison over crap, basically, which on the one side I can understand because it's a supervised release. I'm not done yet. Mm -hmm. I'm still on a tether. But uh, my parole officer seems very relaxed, but at the same time, straight up.
1: Okay. So so what was prison like? Um,
0: some days it felt like daycare, some days it felt like high school, and then other days I'm sitting there just going, what the hell is wrong with these people? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I know this is a family-friendly podcast, so I'm trying to keep the language to a minimum, but uh, that's just what it was.
1: Mm-hmm. Um what was um you know what was the frustra- what was the most frustrating part of prison life?
0: Um it very easily had to be the uh prison politics. Somebody who may or may not be affiliated or part of some gang or the other has some opinion on these kind of crimes and
1: they decide to exert their opinion on other people and So it's like other inmates, uh, the politics among inmates, is that what you're talking about? Correct. Some people don't like certain charges. They think that if you're capable of this, then
0: that should happen to you, even in prison and whatnot. And for those reasons, a lot of uh, certain types of crimes are segregated from main
1: population. Okay. I wasn't in that population. I was in uh, general pop. Okay. So So. it's almost like um, people, inmates, they... um, have this desire to carry out justice themselves <laughs> the way they see it. Is that kinda of what it is? It is, which ironically they're always carrying on F the
0: police and yet the affiliated types tend to be the police in prison.
1: Okay. Um what do you mean? I didn't quite catch what you mean by that.
0: Um uh, the well uh, family friendly show. I'm trying not to cost too much, but um <clears throat> the whole F the police type.
1: Okay, I see. Okay. Okay, and they tend to be in prison. So
0: yeah, they they carry on about that, and then they turn around and they are the police half the time. I see. Right, I see what you mean. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So you were in for four years. Um, wow, for a young person, that probably seems like a like a long time. <laughs> Does it it seemed like a long time.
0: It did at times, and other times it seemed like it was going by really quickly. Yeah, I mean if you're looking at it long term oh I've got so much more time left it just drags by and it's depressing it can be humiliating sometimes and then other times you're looking back on it and it's oh wow that went by really quick
1: yeah um what was your favorite thing to do in prison
0: um Usually just getting some exercise, go outside for a little bit. Yeah. And the uh, outside time varied by your custody level, which I was always considered minimum. But at a certain point, I had requested a job assignment that was only available at a medium security. Mm-hmm. So I was under lock and key a little bit more than I was strictly required to. Mm-hmm. And... uh I mean, it was aggravating sometimes because I'm just going, I'm supposed to be minimum security, why am I being treated like a medium? Mm-hmm. And so on. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of room to complain considering that I had requested the assignment knowing that I would be placed into another uh, security area. Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, you mentioned the politics and, and stuff like that. So is there a lot of that? I mean, like, uh, is there, are there, is it like gangs and... um it's
0: I would say it's a watered down version of what you see in Hollywood and like the uh California prisons and it's a mix between that and kindergarten
1: basically. Okay. Were um did you make any uh good relationships that you in prison that you enjoyed and that was helpful to you?
0: On the one hand, yes, I wouldn't call them I wouldn't call any of them friends per se. Okay. But there was a few individuals who I knew weren't too involved in prison life that I knew I could uh, be around them and they wouldn't be
1: stirring anything up that I didn't want to be involved in. Yeah. Is it, if you just want to mind your own business and not get involved with the the drama and so forth, can that easily be done or do you have to really kind of know how to navigate yourself through all of that political stuff? You can to an extent, but there's
0: also the guilty by association type. Okay. In that I want to stick my head in the sand and just do my time and then go home. But then one day I'm on the yard and I'm smoking a cigarette and some guy comes up to me and he says, you got an extra one. Okay, why not? I hand him that cigarette and give him my lighter. He lights it. We're sitting there just chatting, smoking. And a little while later, somebody had approached me and he said, you should not be involved with him. I'm going what's this about? He asked me for a cigarette. He said, well, and long story short, prison politics. And the guy was uh, assuming that I was involved in one of those populations that should be segregated for safety simply by association.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I've heard about things like that. Um, that um, something as simple as like uh, giving someone a, a piece of food off of your tray or something like that could really lead into all kinds of that right. seems really frustrating to me.
0: <laughs> it was extremely, but um, I wouldn't say I had a reputation for. It, but I got rid of the notion very quickly that um, I was going to be pushed around by anyone. And mm-hmm. it was I kept to myself. If you leave me out of your business, I'll stay out
1: of it. Um. So anyway, you had um. What about contact with people on the outside? Was that helpful? What um. If so like what part of it was helpful you know um, you know what can, did people do that um, you know I, I'm, I'm kind of asking because um, I know someone in prison right now he's expecting to get released in the spring but I'm just kind of curious what's helpful for someone on the outside to do for someone in, in prison
0: um, communication is definitely a bonus uh, just getting a card in the mail just to know that there's somebody on the outside who realizes that you're not the crap that society thinks you are in general Mm -hmm. somebody who knows you who can just talk to you it's a reminder that there's a life outside of the walls that with a few exceptions you'll get back outside this is not the end of the world it seems like it's the end of the world when you're sitting inside a concrete box but You have to get out of your head, and having family, having support of any kind really is very helpful to any inmate.
1: Yeah. All right, so you're out now, and you have to kind of report in with the parole officer now and then, right?
0: Correct. My next uh, appointment with him is later this month, I think. I have to look at my calendar to be sure, but, yeah, I know I have an appointment with him this month. I get a random drug test, usually a Comtree truck will come by with a little cup, and I just go in the bathroom, and there's a few uh, drug test sticks on the side of it, and he just looks at that, and it tells him if there's anything that I've been taking that I'm not supposed to be taking, and he just reports it back
1: to Comtree, who reports it back to my parole officer. Are there any other restrictions, like um, as far as traveling or just anything else?
0: To an extent. Um, I'm not supposed to leave the county of my residence outside of work and school, which is good because I work in St. Louis. I live in Jefferson County. I work in uh, St. Louis County, and I'm soon to be going to school in St. Louis County.
1: Okay. But
0: um, as far as just recreational travel, they frown upon it.
1: Okay. All right. So. Um, okay. So you you tend Rockport and um so you, so what's your involvement with christianity are you um like what are your thoughts about it are you heavily involved are you more of exper- experimenting and looking in are you um or just what does it mean to you and just where are you with it all um my first
0: experience in christianity i mean i grew up Inside of a uh, church, not literally, but I've always been involved in some kind of a church or another with a short stint outside of it that I'll get into later. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I went to uh summer camps that were church affiliated, I went to one church or the other for most of the time I was growing up first, uh, First Baptist Church of Arnold, and then um. Rockport Baptist Church. Like I said, I just followed my grandmother around, basically. Mm -hmm. I had been saved at one of the um, summer camps. Okay. And I was baptized at... uh, Where was that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. Um, That was at First Baptist. Okay. In Arnold? Yes. Okay. They went on top of... uh, Was that Michigan Avenue? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Where they just put in that uh, senior center?
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you had a, a stint outside of that? You said you'd get to that later? Like, what was that?
0: Yeah. Um, I wasn't living at home at the time, and it was. I felt like I had sort of been indoctrinated into church. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I realized that I never made the decision for me. I made it for the people around me because I wanted their support. I wanted their approval. Mm -hmm. So for a little while, I stopped going to church. And it wasn't so much that my life started falling apart, which it did to an extent. But, um... Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) Uh, As far as not... Being so involved with the church, it was uh, not living the way that Christ wants us to. Mm -hmm. Not that I was being overtly antisocial and violent towards people. I just, you know, I wasn't having, I wasn't reading my Bible in the mornings like I used to. I wasn't attending church on a regular basis. And, um, sorry, I keep losing my train of thought. (laughs) That's okay. But uh, I had basically had to step back and live without the church, basically for the first time in in my life, making my own decisions. Mm -hmm. And in the long run, it did not—I mean, I needed the experience, but it wasn't a good idea at the same time. And then um, after the uh, shooting, I had had to move back home, and I was still hesitant about going back to church and fast forward a little bit and um, it was I was just so wrapped up in my own head and my emotions and I really couldn't understand how I was going to keep on with my life at all with my history knowing what I had done and it was one night I'm sitting in my room and just the thought crossed my mind oh god you have to help me I can't do this And it really... It felt like a weight coming off my shoulders. Yeah. And it was at that point that I realized that I couldn't keep living the way I was. So I reconnected with my church with Rockport. Excuse me. I had reconnected with my church and I had started talking to people again, basically. And I basically went back to trying to live with Christ as much as I'm capable. But that's a... It's a two-way street, but it's not. So anyone with a relationship to Christ understands what that means.
1: Um, A two-way street, but it's not... Meaning, if I'm interpreting that right, do you mean it's like... Um, there's uh, something done on both sides, you are you're, you and Christ, but it's it's not in a sense that it's really Him or Correct. doing it all.
0: Correct. I mean, it's, the Bible teaches that you're supposed to live the way God wants you to. You live the way that Jesus told you to. Mm-hmm. But it's grace through faith in that we can't do anything to earn it. Mm-hmm. Only He can give it to us when we have to ask for it. And mm-hmm. that you're You know, you're expected to live as an upright man, woman, what have you. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be a good person and all that, but that doesn't do anything. Christ expects it of you, but at the end of the day, the only thing that will do anything for you is Christ. Right. And that it's a two-way street, but it's
1: not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, it seems like that's common for, um, a lot of people, and for me, um that it's at the end of my one's rope before, you know, that's their way into like the kingdom of God, so to speak. Um, I was 18 and, uh, when I was younger in in life, I was, um, you know, I heard the sermons and I was afraid, you know, what would happen if I were to die? Um, so I was trying to do whatever I could to save myself, you know, and got baptized, um, said the prayers, did whatever I thought, and uh, just to no avail, it seemed like it was just all meaningless, and it was, and then I kind of went on throughout my teenage years, and uh, then finally kind of came to the end where it was like, uh, just thinking, man, God's got to save me from who I've become, and um, and it was the same experience as you described, I just felt like a weight of guilt just lifted from me, and I felt as light as a feather, and um it was and after that it was kinda like a new world opening up to me. Um I didn't know much, but I had new desires and interest into you know, the Bible, church, stuff like that. And um it's been kind of a, like a journey ever since, you know.
0: Right. It's, you the journey never stops. Mm-hmm. You keep going down that road, but it's never going to end. Right. Yeah. Um
1: Well, um, so you carry, so that was before you went into prison. Correct. So you got, you you kind of, so you were able to carry that with you in prison, kind of that, um, real connection with God through Christ and, you know, the reading the Bible. And, um, so that's, that seems like that could be a source of comfort and, you know, help, source of strength, you know, when you're going through something like that. Um, yeah, it
0: is definitely. Okay. But at the same time, it's the same problem that people run into. They think that, oh, I've been saved by Christ and my life is just going to turn around, which in some cases it does. But it's not that simple. Yeah. A life in Christ is full of obstacles, it's full of opportunities. It's full of difficulty and challenge, but at the end of the day,
1: what else is there? Yeah. Well, as far as just where you are in life right now, um, what do you think of as, as far as like uh, your life's challenge right now? Is there anything in particular that comes to mind that, that's uh, the challenge of your life, so to speak?
0: Uh, to one extent, it's getting out of the uh, prison mentality, and it can be very surreal. I still catch myself sometimes going, oh, wow, that's <laughs> I'm not in prison anymore. I can do this myself now. Yeah.
1: How uh, long have you been out now?
0: Uh, I was released on September eleventh of this year. Okay, so just yeah.
1: <laughs> still real recent then.
0: Yeah, very. <clears throat> you, you enjoy it, being out? Yeah, definitely do. Yeah, back at home with my own bed, I don't have to share the room with some other guy that I may or may not get along with. I don't have to share the showers or the bathrooms with a hundred other people.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, what would, in what ways do you want to grow? What would you like more of in your life at this time? That might be kind of like this, is almost similar <laughs> to the question I just asked. But um, uh, you said the challenge of your life was like. A, Kind of getting out of prison mentality. Um, I don't know. What would you like your life to look like in a few years?
0: Um, not really sure how to answer that because there's so much in the air right now. Mm-hmm. I just, well, I'm supposed to get hired on full time at that warehouse that I'm working in St. Louis. I'm a temp right now, but I'm supposed to be getting hired on Monday to full time. Okay. Which is going to come with a small raise and some other perks mm-hmm. here and there. Namely, job security. I don't have to worry about us slowing down so much that they decide to get rid of me because I'm a temp. Yeah, right. Um, I'm going back to school in January for um, electrical construction and design. All right. Which is one of the better paying uh, occupations that a felon can go into because it's largely industrial work and it's very skilled.
1: Okay. Cool. And,
0: um,. I think the challenge right now is that I have to, I don't want to say get away from my past, because that's just not possible, Mm -hmm. but not letting my past define me. Right. Getting to a point where I don't have to stop and say, I'm a felon, so I'm not going to pass your background check for this or that, or am I supposed to be here, am I supposed to have access to this, so on and so forth, which I know I'm never going to get away from that entirely. Right. Right. But it's the people who know me, know where I've been, know what I've done. Mm -hmm. And I know that they don't define me by it. Granted, they keep it in the back of their minds. I'm trying to think how to clarify that a little bit. Um, And it's, yeah, just not being defined by your past. Right. Even though your past is there, you can't change it. Right. Right but uh to be defined by what you want to do, what you're trying to do, where you want to get to.
1: Right. Yeah. Um Yeah, I can, I can see that like it's a a tragic past um that you can't um ever just uh escape um then on you know but um, along with that came um, like a spiritual conversion for yourself that um, may not have who knows may not have happened if your life was going pretty smoothly and you didn't kind of come to the end of yourself and you could just kind of go on living in uh
0: well i wouldn 't say American. so much of a
1: conversion as much as a realization okay
0: right, but there's got to be a uh, Basis behind any faith, and mine was more physical, more intimate, I should say, okay, in that it wasn't reading the Bible and then uh just trying to interpret god's love through that it was having felt it
1: right um you have any routines right now, um like spiritual routines like i you're a church attender um on your own um Uh, Do you have, like, uh, prayer and Bible reading routines or anything that you follow that's, um, you know, helpful for you?
0: Um, Well, I have a very difficult time rereading anything that I've read in the past. Mm -hmm. So the Bible was kind of a one-off for me. I've read it in bits and pieces here and there throughout my life. And I have difficulty rereading anything, so I haven't put a lot of effort into it. But um I have a verse of the day app on my phone that I'll look through in the mornings. Sometimes it makes sense and other times I have to read the whole chapter to understand what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I mean it's not it goes back to the religion versus faith. It's not anything that I can do, but there's things that are expected of me.
1: Yeah. Um what would you like as far as um So it seems like you're pretty work-centered right now, which makes sense. You know, you're new in the workforce, and uh, you want to get established, and uh, that all makes sense. What would you like um, to see in your life as far as, like, uh, relational and so forth? Like, what would um, you—do you um, appreciate just the church experience the way it is, or would you like to be in more um, interaction with other Christians— Like in a small group or one, you know, just one-on-one or um, just uh, are you, um, do you have friendships you're growing or just, what would you like your life to, what are your desires concerning that relational type of things and with other people?
0: Um, Well, again, I'm a very introverted person. Yeah. And I, as unusual as it is, but I've come to learn it about myself. I don't have the uh, impulse, the instinct really to socialize, to communicate with people. I enjoy the activity. I just don't have the in the uh, instinct for it. it doesn't yeah. make a whole lot of sense to me. But I'm sure there's some psychiatrist or psychologist who might be listening to this and say, "Oh, I know what that is." Yeah. But um, it's finding common ground to have anything to do with each other. Yeah. And at a church, I know that we're all on the same page about this or that. Right. So it's easier to get to know them. I've been talking to a couple of people at church. Brad Tompkins. We, yeah. We hang out on weekends every now and then. Okay. Um, I usually try to get to church early so I can talk to a few people here and there. And I might stay late talking
1: to people. Yeah. I'm, um, so I'm pr- kind of introvert, too. I might not be as introverted as you. I'm not sure. I It's changed over the years. But the, the main way um, I experience that is, like, I'm not real comfortable in groups. Like, if we were here, like, with four or five people, three or four people or whatever, um, just having sandwiches or whatever— I would probably let everyone else do the talking and I'd probably just be observing. <laughs> yeah, I'm if I was in there I might
0: chip in here and there but I don't think I'd be leading the conversation yeah. outside of a few
1: certain topics. Right. But like um but one on one it just kind of it's, it's you know there's no um option for just sitting back and letting the conversation flow without you you know because oh,
0: i've met some people that would prove you wrong <laughs> oh, really? they, they can <laughs> keep going and going and going oh, yeah. and i'm like when do you breathe <laughs>
1: yeah. right but in general yeah one-on-one like this requires some back and forth yeah so i enjoy um as an introvert uh, that's partly of why i do this because it's a way to connect with people in a way that uh, makes sense to me and i enjoy it but right um so I noticed you got a patch on your shirt says deplorable. So what's why do you wear that, and what's that mean to you? Uh, deplorable basically
0: uh, boils, or not boils, it goes back to the uh,
1: 2016
0: election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump when uh, Hillary had made the statement that um, all the people in the U.S. could basically be divided into good people and the uh, basket of deplorables that follow Trump. Okay. And that... Uh, Politically speaking, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat, I am I guess you could call it uh, heavily right-wing independent. Okay. But the deplorable party is becoming a thing of its own.
1: Okay, I see. Well, it's been good, t- good talking with you. Is there anything else you want to bring up, or just, you know, for the sake of discussion before we sign off? Um, not that I can think of right now, so... Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I really do. And I wish you the best. And uh, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. If you use a podcast app like iTunes, please give a review of Conversations About Life.